Welcome to By the Fiberside, a knitting and spinning podcast from the southern edge of northern Alberta, Canada. Episode 18, Falling. with that, summer is over. Fall is one of my favorite times of year, but I do like to have a summer before I get to fall. Last year's seven months of snow and the abnormal dreariness that came along with it left me with a bit of an annual deficit for sun and good weather. But this summer, it wasn't really all that great. Yes, we had a few spots of hot weather, probably 10 or 15 days all told, But there's also been a lot of rain, cloud cover, and cool temperatures to offset the occasional typical summer day. And now I look around, and it's fall. This year, I do feel a little cheated by summer. Putting up with seven months of winter should really entitle us to a fantastic, hot, and sunny summer, even if only for a couple of months, and we didn't get that. So the best I can hope for now is a blazing hot, sunny, and long very long fall. But really, what's not to like about fall? The mosquitoes are mostly gone, and it's not too hot or too buggy to walk outside. The garden produce begins its last hurrah, and if we get some hot temperatures, our poor tomatoes will actually start to sweeten and ripen, so we can finally enjoy them. Yet, even while we hope for warm temperatures, that fall chill means that we can break out our woolens again. As well, Working on a heavy wool sweater doesn't seem outside the realm of possibility, since it doesn't seem like torture to think about having a whole sweater or blanket in your lap as you work. Fall tends to come on quickly here on the southern edge of northern Alberta. We've lived here for 10 years now, and I can categorically say that I never notice fall's approach until Labor Day. Intellectually, I know that after summer solstice, we begin to lose minutes of daylight every day. But for me... The world hits a light switch on Labor Day, and then it's fall. It's darker when I wake up in the mornings, and dark when I go to bed. The trees begin to have yellow highlights, and their greens start to become more muted. I also find this to be the time of year when I have to layer the most. The nights are long enough to put a definite chill in the morning air, but the afternoon's summerish temperatures means that you can't dress for fall and have it last the whole day. Also, apparently the boiler and the air conditioner can't run at the same time at work, so there's a decided chill in the office until the sun does its magic on the building. But that just means that the woolens, usually not necessary attire during the summer, start to become wardrobe staples again. Hand-knit socks, scarves, and fingerless mittens are saviors this time of year. And hey, this year I have a hand-knit cardigan that I can wear once I sew on a couple of snaps and find an appropriate pin. For me, I find I want things sorted more in the fall than I do in the spring. Maybe that's left over from the going back to school mentality, when, after a summer of few cares or concerns, life is completely structured again. This year, I am going back to school in a way. There are lots of skeins to spin for level 3 homework, and I'm down to 9 months to get them all done. It'll take focus, planning, and organization, and having my space in order, my whole space, will help with that. Today I plan to make more Mawada, and do math for my specific twists per inch skeins. 
that will put me in a place where I can just sit down and spin when I have a moment, which is the only way I think the homework is going to end up getting done. But fall's cooler temperatures also means a better atmosphere for spinning. Both cotton and wool are difficult to spin when your hands are hot, and that will mean more progress in the time I do have to sit down and spin. As much as we'd like to sometimes, we can't stop the march of the seasons. This year, I'd like to have slowed summer down a little, for all that was, it was a bit of a disappointment weather-wise. I'd also like to put the brakes on fall as it starts rushing forward. Today, the tree I see outside our kitchen window is much more yellow, and there are leaves on the ground after yesterday's rainstorm. I'd love to be able to amble through fall, taking in each moment, instead of each week rushing past as we bear down on another winter. There is much to look forward to in the fall, and yet it will be gone before we know it. So perhaps that should be my goal, to consciously slow down, to take each moment of this season and experience it, explore it as it passes by. To not get so focused on impending deadlines, doing my homework, and the minutiae of everyday life, that I forget to see the beauty of the moment right outside my window. Thanks for listening. This is By the Fiberside. Fiber Week. Well, I finished my month off of homework with a little less volume than I might have liked, but considering the number of appointments that I had and how I was feeling, I'm actually still pretty pleased with what I managed to turn out. I finished my skein of frazzle bats, so it ended up being a three-ply at about 15 wraps per inch, Uh, so it's about a sport weight, and 323 yards, all told, in the end of it, so... That's a pretty decent amount. Um, the angle of twist on it was about 50 degrees, which is, it's a really tight spin. I was, I was, uh, when I've been looking at it, I'm like, this would be really good for socks because it would wear really well. And it gives it a bit of a coarser hand. But on the other hand, you know, it'd also be really good for lace just because it's such a tight spin. Uh, there won't be any halo or anything and it will, it should show it up pretty good. So I was thinking about this and, you know, 323 yards, that's a pretty decent amount. So what should I do with it? Well, I kind of wanted to, I've, I've been thinking about making a stole because stoles are so completely wearable. And I'm like, well, 323 yards, can I make a stole out of that? Maybe a scarf. And I was looking through Ravelry and I found the perfect scarf for the swap I just signed up for. <laughs> and the yarn is the perfect color for my swap partner. So I, I had about, you know, three minutes of thinking, I would love to keep this for myself. But then I realized, you know what, I'm a spinner, and I can just spin more. So the, uh, so my month off skein, I believe is going to turn into a scarf for my swap partner. So I'll cast that on here, probably in the next week or so. So yeah, and I spun a little bit of cotton on my tackly, got pretty pretty comfortable with that. So that was my month off. Uh, not too much, like I said, in terms of volume, but, you know, I needed that. I needed that little bit of a, a palate cleanser. And, hey, I did the math, 
and the math worked. So I was pretty pleased with that. So what next? Level three. On to level three. So I'm going to, I'm going to do my water today. I've got to go out and buy some washing soda so that I can soak the cocoons. And uh, while they're soaking, I'm going to do some math on the on the specific TPI skeins. And the reason I'm going to start there is because in case they don't turn out at that specific TPI, I can probably fit them in somewhere else in my in my workbook, which means I won't be wasting any time, really. And it'll give me practice spinning specific TPI. So, so that's my plan there. In other news, my box, uh, my, my level two homework is on its way back to me. And, uh, and Gail had sent me an email and said that it was coming back. And I emailed her back and said, thank you for letting me know. I'm looking forward a little trepidatiously to getting it back. And she dropped me another email back and she said, don't worry, you got a good mark. So I passed. I know I passed. I must have passed if I got a good mark. So I'm hoping that'll come this week. And I'm kind of excited. I'm, I'm excited to see the comments. I know some of those skeins were not as good as I would have liked them to be. Um, and I'm interested to see what comments she has and, and what kind of constructive criticism she has for me, because that will help me as I move into really, really getting on to level three. So, so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I think though, because I have two wheels and because I'm going to be using the Traddy to do my level three homework, I think I am going to try and spin, um, just fun spinning on um on the joy just for the practice just to put in the hours and just because it's fun you know i think sometimes especially with what's been happening with my hips and stuff and the focus on getting the homework done and 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 my copious amounts of spare time i think i think sometimes i forget that i do this for fun and that i should just be having fun with it so so we'll see. I have plenty of fun things to spin. I'll probably pick one of those and set it up on the joy at the same time as trying to do my level two homework, level three homework. So that's the Fiber Week update. Mawada this afternoon and getting my box back, hopefully in the next couple weeks. And I will update you on how all that goes in the next episode. Fiber notes. So the big focus the last couple of weeks has been on getting ready for next weekend's Knitminton Decorate a Lamppost Yarn Bomb for a Kaleido Fest here in town. My hat I got finished for the person who's going to be doing the yarn bomb, who I don't know. Got a little delayed. I don't have six millimeter double pointed needles and I needed that for the top of the hat. Uh, so I magic looped it, but I kept forgetting to get the longer cable and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it got done. It's finished. Life is good. Pretty cute hat. Just need a quick block on that and on the beard and then get uh, buttons on the beard or on the hat and uh, 
and get that attached. So that'll be ready to go. I've been working on the flowers. I got uh, 100 Flowers to Knit and Crochet by Leslie Stanfield out from the library. It's a really good book. I'm definitely going to have to add that to my library. I've been working on mostly crochet ones. Uh, They go a little faster, although I did knit a lavender, and it actually looks like lavender, so it's pretty cool. If you've seen them out there, what I picked up was uh, a couple of packages of the Bonbons by Lion Brand. If you haven't seen them, they're these cute little packages of yarn. Each little skein in it is 28 yards, and you get eight colors in the package, and they're adorable. Now, if you actually look at the yardage you're getting, they're a little on the expensive side in terms of actual volume. But on the other hand, for projects like this, where you only need a little bit of each color, they're perfect. And I think that's definitely worth the money. So I picked up um, both colorways of the cotton ones, and then I ended up picking up one of the acrylic ones because I'm thinking ahead to Christmas presents already. And yes, I said I wasn't going to knit Christmas presents this year, But, you know, things happen, and maybe I will. We'll see. Anyway, Lion Brand Bonbons, very adorable. And perfect for a project like this. So I've done the lavender, uh, a chamomile. I've been working on a couple of uh, hellebore, because they're really easy and quite lovely. And I'll probably switch up the colors after this one, just because it's a really nice flower pattern. And then one more that I can't quite remember the name of, but I messed up on it because it should have had five petals and it had four. Still looks okay. They don't take very long, so I'm sure I'll have a few more done before Saturday. Now, last Saturday, I went to a knit-in through Pam's Woolly Shop out in Stony Plain, and it was complete with high tea, which was delicious, and the... The bed and breakfast actually got me gluten-free, whole everything gluten-free, which was lovely. But what I worked on, I brought a whole bunch of stuff to work on, but what I ended up working on the whole time was uh, was my sock. I picked up the gusset and, uh, and knit, and right now I'm almost at the toe. So between that Saturday and a little bit at the knitting groups here this week, I've almost gotten the whole foot of a sock done. So that's really good because I threw out another couple of pairs of commercial socks this week. <laughs> and with the weather getting colder, I do need the, the hand-knit socks again. So so that's good. I should finish off that sock here probably in between everything else and get started on the second of the pair. So that feels pretty good. And it's looking awesome. I love this self-striping crazy yarn. So the last thing that I did this week was I worked on a blanket square. Now this is for the latest group project that we're doing at one of my knitting groups. And I just did sort of a, you know, a garter relief pattern of a longing sheep for my square. And it's very adorable. And I will post pictures in my projects. Sometimes I wonder if I, this garter relief stuff, if I shouldn't, if we shouldn't just you know, reverse it. So have reverse stuck in it on one side and stuck in it on the other. And I think if I were to do it again, I might try it. But, but it does look good as the garter relief, you can see the pattern. And it's very cute. The The chart is really well done. And yeah, it took me a couple days to knit that square. So, so overall, been really productive the last couple of weeks, hoping that I'll continue to be productive. 
next week is all about next week is all about the yarn bomb and maybe maybe the sock but uh but get that done and then move on to the things that are just put to the side things like the tunic ethereal and get back onto those so that is the fiber notes update Fiberside Chat. I finished recording all the segments for this episode and then really felt like the episode was a little too short. So I went into my stash of interviews from Fiber Week and came out with the interview I did with Caroline Sommerfeld of Ancient Arts Fibercrafts. Caroline is a bit of an expert on supported spindling and as, as part of her booth at Fiber Week, she was selling Jim Leslie supported spindles. And you can also find Jim Leslie's spindles on the Ancient Arts uh, website. But what I really wanted to capture on tape was, was the experience of being spindle whispered by Caroline. Caroline really has a great understanding of how supported spindles react with a person's hand. And it was a really great experience for me to get my first supported spindle from her in in that way. So I hope you enjoy the interview and I hope you get some good information out of it about supported spindling. So here we go, an interview with Caroline Sommerfeld. Okay, I'm here at Ancient Arts Fibercraft and I'm about to be spindle whispered, uh, supported spindle whispered by uh, uh, Caroline Sommerfeld. See, I got it. Very well done. I know. Yes. And you've written a book too, which we'll talk about okay. later. Okay. Wow. Those are really amazing spindles okay you wanted you could tell it so how do we start again support spindle spinning Mm -hmm. is an interesting art because there is a very intimate relationship between your hand and the wood of the tool you don't find it with spinning wheels near as much and you don't find it with drop spindles near as much but in all my years of working with students and selling spindles i have found the wood is very important okay when you look at your hands, if your hands are long and narrow with long, graceful fingers and you don't carry a lot of muscle on your hands, you want to pick a wood that's very stiff. So you want one like pine or fir or cherry or maybe maple because they're going to make the most out of the energy that you have in your hands. Okay. You'll get a good flick on that spindle. It'll do what you need it to do. If you go for a harder, denser wood that's not as stiff, like walnut or ash, or oak, or an exotic hardwood, mm-hmm. they'll feel like they're dead in your hands and you'll be exhausted by it. It won't be a good spindle spinning experience. Okay. Conversely, if you have a nice strong hand with a wide palm and shorter fingers and lots of muscle, it's the exact opposite. You don't want a stiff wood, mm-hmm. you want a dense wood. Because you're putting more energy into the spindle with your flick, naturally. Mm-hmm. And so what you need is a wood that can absorb a little of that energy and that isn't quite as lively. So with somebody who has a shorter, wider hand, you want to buy a wood that's walnut or ash, um, beech, some of the oaks that are a little bit more dense, and those people can get away with an exotic hardwood. Mm -hmm. But that's the whole trick to it, is picking the wood to match your hand structure. And from there, you pick them up and hold them, and your hand will tell you a lot about them. Okay. Well, I should... So that's the part, first part of the spindle whispering. Okay, so now we need to look at my hands. Yes. So let me just put this somewhere. I'll put it right here. That's fine. Okay. So when we look at your hands, 
You're right smack in the middle of the range. Oh, of course I am. You don't have short hands. You have long hands. But look at the difference between your hand yeah. and mine. Our fingers I, are the same length, but look at the muscle on your hand compared to mine. I used to fence. Exactly. And you can actually probably see that in my right hand. Yeah. And the thing is, is I play musical instruments. Oh. I work with lots of things, very, very physical with my hands all the time. Mm -hmm. I lift 50 pounds for about eight hours a day. Mm -hmm. And look at how little muscle I carry. Yeah. It's just the structure. Okay. So for you, you want a middle range wood okay. because you've got some characteristics of both. So you're going to start off with something like an ash because that's a great one for middle of the road. Okay. So is maple. So which one's an ash? So this one is a nice ash spindle. Okay. And I'm kind of really bad at this whole supported spindling So thing. we'll tell you how to do it. Okay. It's very quick. Okay. You're going to use your dominant hand. If you're right-handed, you use your right hand. Okay. If you're left-handed, you use your left hand. Okay. You're going to let the spindle lean into your hand, and it's going to cuddle into your first two fingers. First finger and your middle finger. Okay. The other two fingers just curl naturally into your palm at okay. rest. Okay. When you turn your hand over, look yep. what they do. Yeah. There's your spindle. Ah. Your thumb is going to push the spindle gently towards your fingertips, and not the spindle itself. It's going to flick towards your fingertips and stay there. Because it's made a cage now. Right. Spindle can't escape and throw itself on the floor and stab you in the foot. See, this is what I've been doing wrong because yep. I've been flicking and trying to catch with the other finger. Leave your thumb there. Okay. When you get a little more practice, you're going to get a finger involved in the flick, so it's a snap. It's exactly ah. like snapping your fingers. Some people okay. will flick with their first finger, some with their middle finger, and it's all based on what works for your hand. Okay. There's no wrong way to do that. So when I flick, see how uh, my thumb stays so against I, my just, middle finger? I've been trying to do some intermediate stuff when I should have been doing beginner stuff. And it doesn't matter because this, no matter how experienced you get, is the flip that you use for any supported spindle. Okay. You actually even use the same handhold a little bit modified with something as big as an Navajo spindle. Okay. Your hand stays with the palm of your hand mm -hmm. facing to the side. You don't turn it so that your wrist is up mm -hmm. and the palm is facing down. You can't spin off the top. You of can't it. spin as effectively off the top. You certainly <laughs> can because if you look at some of the people on the YouTube videos, you see them do it. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, this is not ergonomic and you'll get a repetitive stress injury. Okay. This is ergonomic. If you're left-handed, you do exactly the same thing. Thumb moves towards the fingertips mm -hmm. and the finger pulls back. So it'll reverse the direction of spin, but that doesn't matter because the yarn is still yarn and it's still going to be just as effective as a yarn. Right. So that's the trick, is leaving it in that cage so it can't stab you. And now if you're spinning, you have something that spindle can pull against if you need. Okay. So now you're going to try that flick. I'm going to try this one. Yes. Okay. So let it lean into your fingers. Cuddle. Lean. Cuddle. Cuddle your spindle. Cuddle. That's and it. And then this way. That's it. See? Okay. Well done. That's okay. all there is to it. And see how it did try to throw itself when you let go of that cage? <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> there we go. When you're first learning, what you're going to do is spend five to ten minutes a day, just sit there with your bowl and your spindle and flick it. Yeah. Don't try and spin, watch the TV, yeah. let yourself be distracted, build muscle memory. Because yeah. this is not brain memory, this no. is muscle memory. Lana gave me a little bead spindle and a, and a skewer, mm -hmm. and I did. I had. I don't. I didn't have a spindle bowl, so it was of course dancing yeah. everywhere in the bowl. And I see the reason you have a bowl. But, just to keep it from acting yeah. like a top. But I, I did spend like a, a whole episode of something. Yeah. Just, just, just exactly. it. So now, you've tried Ash. Okay. Let's see what this one does for you. Mm. I think that feels a bit better. Mm -hmm. You have enough muscle you can use Walnut as well as Ash. But that's the interesting thing with the spindle whispering is that when you start trying the different words, you'll find that it interacts with your hand differently. Yeah. Ash has a very different grain from walnut. Yeah. 
walnut is quieter, it's more stable. Mm -hmm. Somebody that does fencing has a lot of muscle. Yeah. You put a lot of energy in with that flick. Mm -hmm. Walnut probably is a better choice for you then. Yeah. Well, it, it seems to, like, it, it's it's lively. I mean, it, sure it, it is. is. In my hand, it's dead. I can spin it just as fast as you because of experience, but it's a lot of work. There we go. Yep. <laughs> okay. All right. If I'd let me get a chair for fun, it would help. Yeah. Okay, so that's it around. Yeah. And that's because that's a cherry. It fits my hand, which yeah. has very little muscle, but it's not so good for you. That bouncing yeah. is purely because of the wood. Now watch when I flick it. Oh, it's completely stable. Yes. Really? Isn't that interesting? That is so weird. It goes well, like a bat out of hell and bounces yeah. not at all because my hand's so different. Yeah. Whereas with me, it's just not... Got a little bit of a bounce on this one. Yeah, because you got really strong hands. Sometimes it's just not got the balance point that fits you. Okay. Was this the second one we tried? It was the first one we tried. There's also a little knack to how you're controlling it with those fingers. Yeah. So there we go. Now I've got it yeah. stable. But you see how walnut is working differently from the cherry. Yeah. Oh yeah. See now it's turning like a turbine. Yeah. Perfectly stable. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. It's wow. And now switch back to this one. And this one was ash. Mm -hmm. That's got a bit of a wobble. Yeah. But not that. Part of it is you said to me, oh, that feels good. And that's the key when you're picking a spindle. The mm -hmm. one that your brain says, oh, that feels good, yeah. that's the one you buy. Okay. Because your hands are telling your brain an awful lot about it. Mm -hmm. so this one has a different brain to that one. They're both, they're both ash, but it'll okay. behave a little differently. And this was sort of in the, the medium range? Yes. So you can certainly use that one. But it's so, different from this one. Yeah, it is. And it's... It's bouncing around <laughs> It's more. bouncing around more. Yeah. So that's the other thing, is when you're picking a spindle, is that the grain mm -hmm. of the wood can affect the performance of that particular type of wood. Mm -hmm. So in your case, you want the one that has less of this. This is denser, it's got right. less wave in it in yep. terms of the wood. Mm -hmm. Because it feels like there's not a lot of movement in there, but you'd be amazed. Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's grained, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and see, you know, this one's not dense around at all. And this one is one of the more ultimately dense ones without going to an exotic hardwood. Okay. This is beach. It's a different shape on the tip. Yeah, I noticed that. And you already have the muscle memory on the other one. Yeah. That's bouncing, though. It's bouncing, but you feel how the weight itself feels different. Yeah, it definitely feels different. It's, 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 a, it's, all, it's almost smoother on the, on the finger. Mm -hmm. And it feels harder to my hand. Yeah. It actually feels so hard it hurts my fingers. Really? Because it's completely dense. There's no give to it. There's no spring in it. So beach would actually be for a hand that's more towards the shorter, yeah. wider... Yeah, because I can't get a long skin on this one and you because see it's how too heavy. It's too heavy, but it's not. The spindle weighs half of what the other one does, literally. Yeah. In terms of grams, it weighs half. But it is the difference in the wood. Yeah. So you're finding this is on a second the energy out, and it's not doing yeah. anything. No, it's not doing anything. Exactly. So that's so, that whole range. So the ones that I were good for me were the... The walnut and the ash. The walnut and the ash. So that's yeah. this one and this one? 
Yeah, and then we don't want you to have that one. No, because that one was There's just another dancing. one. This one wasn't as good as this one for you. And, and this one's try. fitting really nice. Yeah, it is, because it's a good one for your hair. Mm -hmm. And because it made your heart happy when you tried it. It did. So this one's just for fun. This is oak. Oak? Yeah. And this is light or heavy? I'm not telling you. <laughs> Tell me. Uh, it's light because it's mm -hmm. dancing. It's really dancing. So it's an intermediate wood, in my opinion, for hand structure, but it's not quite dense enough for your hand. So me. that's, again, wow. Technically, they all perform exactly the same, and I can make each <laughs> one of them look identical, but it takes me different amounts of energy and effort. Yeah. So you've also written a book about supported spindling. I have. The book came out of probably 10 years now of teaching support spindling to classes. Mm -hmm. And each time I would teach it, I would write more information in the handout, and I would expand what I was doing with my students. And then one day it occurred to me, the handout's 20 single-spaced pages long. <laughs> oh, Perhaps dear. it's time to turn it into a proper book. Perhaps. And include in it things like, how does the wood interact with your hands? Mm -hmm. How does the spindle then interact with fibers? How do you work with all the different exotic fibers and blend them and make them easy to use and prepare them? Mm -hmm. So that's what the book in essence is, is a three-day workshop that takes you from, I've never touched one of these in my life, how do I make it go? Yeah. To now I'm an expert who wants to do crazy and funky things with the fibers themselves. Mm -hmm. That's good. And that's available through your website? Yes, it is. Awesome. And you can get it both in paper version and we have an e-version of it now too. Awesome. It's in PDF, which means that you can read it on any device that you want. So even mm -hmm. if you have a Kindle, you can send the PDF to Amazon and they'll put it on your Kindle. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. And their well, photos. I'm actually thinking it's going to be the walnut. I'm thinking it should be the walnut because I'm watching the way it's interacting with your hand and yeah. that's the one that works. Yes. The other one is decent. It is, but every once in a while it does this little bubble. bubble. Yep. Whereas this one? And the one? walnut, it's just, it's placid and quiet and yep. fast and it's not going to fight you and suddenly leap to the side and snap your yarn. Exactly. So thusly, the Ollivander's wand experience. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you well. taking the time to interview and spindle this with me. Anytime. By the Wayside. I've been thinking back over past By the Wayside updates, and I usually end off saying, this is what I'm going to do in the next couple of weeks. And it seems to me that most of the time, I don't end up actually doing that. Something happens, or I'm working on something else, or what have you. Well, this time around, I actually did. I moved on to the horses. I've, uh, I've got the head of one of the horses mostly done. And I was hoping to actually have it filled in, but I ran short of time between all the other little knitting things that I ended up having to do. So so next week, I'm pretty sure that the head will be filled in, hopefully. But uh, it looks awesome. And I, I'd, I'd held off on starting the horses because they are so major. Like this is the part of the tapestry. This is the center. This is the big thing. And, and I didn't want to mess it up. And uh, so that's why I held off on them. But you know what? It, it actually doesn't look too bad. I, I don't think I screwed it up anyway. So, so that's good. It'll be interesting to fill it in. There's some really tight spots in the bridle, for example, that, uh, that will be interesting to fill in. But, but overall, I, I like it. I think it looks good.
So I also did uh, one of the little flirtily bush type things uh, in the top border and in the chart there's no filling in there's no bay stitch at all on this little thing but if I look at the photograph there's bits of it that are filled in so <laughs> so I'm gonna have to be comparing back and forth with the photograph on on all this stuff just to make sure that I'm catching everything but don't trust the chart is this this is the whole I guess this is the whole thing you know as knitters we know we always check for errata well in this case uh, the photograph is my check for errata and there was a small one so when I fill in the horse's head I'll I'll fill in that as well so you know I'm I'm pleased with what I managed to accomplish I think it looks really good and uh, I will get a photograph up on the show notes so next week or the next episode I'm going to hopefully have that horse's head filled in and it's it's a green horse so that should be a lot of fun a green horse's head so that is the by the wayside update thank you for joining me for episode 18 by the Fiberside is a bi-weekly podcast, and I look forward to bringing you episode 19 on September 22nd, 2013. Show notes for this episode can be found at www.bythefiberside.com. Join the discussion in our group on Ravelry. If you need to get in touch with me directly, you can email me at ness, as in Loch Ness, at bythefiberside.com. Thanks again for listening. This is by the fiber side.